Hi everyone, what's up and welcome back to In Bloom Podcast or welcome if you are a new listener. Nice to have you here today listening. My name is Abby Aslan and I'm the host of this podcast and I'm super excited for this week's episode because I haven't done this before, I don't think. I think maybe I did one like after the summer one year, maybe. I can't really remember. Your brain needs support and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. But I'm going to be reviewing like the books I read in 2022. So like last year we did the 2022 year in review episode where I revisited my goals that I had set for 2022 and kind of did a recap of like what I did achieve and what I didn't and like how I'm using all of that going into 2023. But I thought it would be really fun to do the same type of episode, but with the books I read and just kind of go through the books I read, like what I rated them, that kind of thing. Um, And I just really wanted to do it because I love reading. It's probably one of my favorite hobbies just because it's something that isn't productive and it's something that allows me to completely escape from my reality, which is something that I crave a lot of times, especially when I am just really busy and I just want to do something that doesn't involve sitting on social media or using my hands and I love that it keeps me occupied. It's good for your brain. It's so much fun and I just love finding good books. So I want to share like what I read this year with you all. And I don't know, I just had some really, really solid reads this year. So I'm excited to share them with you all. And I had all my good reads. Like my challenge was to read 20 books this year and I've only read 10, but I think 10 is pretty good considering like over half of the year I'm like in busy season and like just pretty much working all day long. So like I... I'm pretty proud of myself for still reading 10 books, but I like really made up for the books I didn't get to read during busy season. I'm like making up for it now, I feel like when I'm slower in the holiday season, and then I made up for it during the summer because in the summer I was reading like so many books, and that's when I read the bulk of my books, so I'm really excited to share with you all what I read. But before we get started, I wanted to do a few little housekeeping items. So first and foremost, if you're not following In Bloom Podcast on Instagram, definitely do so. Today's Friday, and I did a little... Instagram story like shared um, a Starbucks gift card for you all just as a way to say thank you for listening this year and over the years and supporting me. Truly don't know who I am or like where I would be without you guys. And it's just like a small token of my thankfulness for you all. So I hope that if you were able to get one of those coffees, which it's like 2 p.m. and there's still a good bit left on the gift card right now. So I'm hoping that more people use it. But if not, I'll just reshare it again in the morning and people can get it on their Saturday morning, but I hope that some of y'all are able to um, get a coffee and enjoy that. So definitely follow In Bloom Podcast so you don't miss out. I like to try and do that like once a year. I'd like to do it more often, but to be honest, I just never, like I always forget about it because time just like, I'll like, I'll take a mental note to do it and then I like completely forget. But um, also it's, you know, I don't know. I feel like things are just so expensive now. So it's not as easy to just like give as much as I would like to um but I still wanted to do something for you all I was gonna do like a personalized giveaway of like things but I just was shipping time and everything I was like okay I'm not gonna worry about this right now and I'd rather just do the gift card thing because that can reach more people and it's easier that way so 
definitely follow Influent Podcast on Instagram and also next housekeeping item um this episode will be the last one of this year I think because next month I'm like gonna take off from like recording next week just because I am going home and I don't want to bring my microphone with me and I don't want to pressure myself into like having to speed through planning my next episode because my next episode will be like in relation to just like 2023 and like goal setting habits that kind of thing because I always love doing those episodes at the beginning of the year um and I really don't want to rush planning that and I would have to like literally record it before tomorrow afternoon if I wanted to do that which I totally could but I really like to take my time with planning those episodes and I would just really like to take off that week due to Christmas and everything so hopefully you guys understand but I just wanted to take off um too just because I think it'll be good to sort of like take a step back and like I'm hoping that I won't have to do any like work for YouTube like I definitely want to like do some editing because I like love editing but I'm just hoping that where I'm at right now because I'm like a few videos ahead and everything I'll just be able to like put stuff up and not really have to do anything too intense while I'm home so because that's the goal is to like fully chill out while I'm home for the holidays and um yeah so definitely stay tuned for the next episode after this one it will be on I guess it'll be on the second when it goes up but I might have it go well no because I think the second everyone's pretty much like off because that's like when New Year's is observed so I'll still have it go up on the second I was thinking about maybe doing it on the Sunday instead but I don't know I'll think about it if you have any strong feelings about that DM me on Instagram and let me know but yeah let's go ahead and get into the quote goal and gratitude for this week my quote for this week is from Pinterest it's from Morgan Harper Nichols again um I think last week's quote was from Morgan Harper Nichols but she just has the best quotes and it says you don't have to make sense of everything in the past before you can choose to be kind to yourself in the present and I love this so much because I'm such a I like to think that I'm like a very forward thinker and I'm like always thinking about like possibilities and what's next and like future outcomes and I definitely am that way and a lot of my anxiety stems from that however I also I don't like pay as much mind to it but I truly do like get really caught up on like past stuff and like trying to like make sense of like why things happened or trying to like learn from every single little thing um and just like really and I guess it's a good thing because it like forces me to reflect and see you know things I can improve on mistakes I made learn lessons and all that kind of stuff however um it's important to realize you know like you don't have to you know have this answer to everything that happened in the past and you like being kind to yourself right now today is not conditional on whether or not you've caught up with making sense of everything that's happened to you or for you up until this point I think a lot of times we get caught up and it's almost like we have this like chronological sequence of like I can't really like take this time to be kind to myself and do self-care or whatever it may be until I've gotten all of my previous ducks in a row in terms of just like all the past things that you're trying to make sense of. It could literally just be like trying to catch up with a to-do list from the past. It could be something like that. It doesn't have to necessarily be something that happened to you. But I think that so often we like put that condition on being kind to ourselves and having taking that time to have self-care and everything. And I just think it's a really important reminder to realize like, hey, I can give myself this and I don't have to meet any expectation or I don't have to meet any you know quota or have anything done in order to do it like I can do it because I want to and I deserve it and I need to today no matter what you know 
I've dealt with in the past or like what I'm still trying to work through from the past or however much I'm worrying about the future like I can do it for myself today so I just thought that was a really good reminder for everyone especially during the holiday season I feel like we're all like running around like chickens with our heads cut off because we're trying to get so much done while also like spending time with loved ones while also preparing for the new year while also trying to just enjoy the holidays. So it's just like a lot going on at once. And I thought that was a good reminder. And my goal for this week, I am really hoping to finish. Well, this is kind of for the rest of the year. I'm saying this week, but really for the next two weeks, I want to finish the A Court of Thorn and Roses series, which I'm going to be talking about those books in this episode, but I really want to finish them before busy season starts because I will be devastated if I don't have time to read them because I am like all consumed by this series right now. It's not even funny how obsessed I am with it. I am like, I it's so, it's so bad. I get so obsessed with stuff that is literally not even real and it's so bad. But anyways, I really want to finish the series because I don't want busy season to come along and me like be just dying to read this book or finish the series and not having the time to because there is no worse feeling than having like a book in the back of your mind all day and like doing nothing but or wanting to read but like you can't do anything about it and you're just having the work and then like at the end of the day you only have time to read for like 10 minutes or something because I hate that feeling of oh I really want to read this or I really want to finish this book but I can't right now like I'm preoccupied so I really want to get through the series before the end of the year but at the same time I'm really trying to just like savor these books because they're freaking good. Um, like I really tried to take my time with The Court of Mist and Fury, but at the same time I was like for like a week I was reading like every night and then like I went on vacation. Um, so I didn't really read it all then. But then when I got back from vacation, it was like a little bit each night. But then as the book progressed, I was reading like more and more each night, like staying up late to finish it because it was just getting so good and everything. Um, but I really liked that I didn't like binge it in a few days because I feel like when I do that I miss a lot of details so I feel like I was really able to savor it and I want to do that with these other books but at the same time I want to finish them before New Year's so that's that um definitely a very like chill goal which we like we like that for the next two weeks and I also just want to have like a good time at home I want to like I don't want to get fall into a routine of just like being I want to be lazy, but I don't want to be, like, lazy with my mornings and my evenings, if that makes sense. Like, I don't want to be on my phone a ton. I can definitely, I tend to slip into that when I go home, especially when I go home without Griffin, which I am, because I just, I don't know. It's like, I'm there by myself. Like, my brother won't be there. So, my parents will be there, but they'll be working, like, some of the time. So, I'm just kind of, like, a lot more likely to just, like, sit on my phone or, like, roll over and get on my phone during the morning. But I want to, like, be really intentional with my mornings and my time at home. I want to rest a lot, but I also just want to like fill my cup up, you know, and that involves not really like being lazy with my intentions in terms of like what I'm doing with my days because you can be intentional about being lazy, but you can also just straight up be lazy in terms of like, I'm just going to sit on my phone for four hours because I'm just not going to get up, but I want to be intentional with like my rest and be like, I'm going to go sit on the beach and just like read all day or I'm going to watch this movie with my family today or something like that. So yeah, that's kind of the goals for the rest of the year, the next two weeks, whatever. And my gratitude for this week, I am just so thankful that I'm really thankful for the holiday season. I'm really thankful for 
my family and my friends, um, I really tend to, you know, just like reflect a lot this time of year and I just couldn't be more grateful for all the people I have in my corner and for all of my loved ones and for being able to spend time with them. It is sad because like my family's kind of spread out all over the place and I don't really get, I haven't gotten to do Christmas like with my brother at home. I think it's been like three or four years, which is just like sad. Um, but that's just how it's been. And I'm hoping that, you know, once Griffin and I are like actually a married couple, like we'll be on the same schedule with when we go home to Florida and when my brother and sister-in-law go home to Florida so that we can like actually have Christmases together and stuff. So I tend to get like sad about that because it just like makes me realize I'm old. But at the same time, like I'm still just very thankful that I, you know, still get to see him. It may not be Christmas day, but I'm thankful that we get to do it together and spend that time together because I know not everyone has that luxury. And I know that this is a very hard time of year for everyone. And I'm also just really grateful for time off. I'm taking off this whole upcoming week of the 19th or the 7th or 18th, I guess, um, if you're going from Sunday, I'm taking off this whole week. And then I have off from Christmas to the 2nd of January or Christmas Eve from the 2nd to January. So I am just really looking forward to this time off and I'm really thankful for it. Um, and I'm also just really grateful that we finally have decided on a venue. I'm so glad we have. I feel like a lot better. We haven't like paid the deposit or anything yet, but like we've communicated it to the owner of the venue and everything. So I am excited about that. And I'm really thankful that like we're not going to be looking at places anymore because that was a really stressful process. Um, and I'm also just really grateful. I don't know. I feel like a lot of gratitude right now just with it being the holiday season. And I'm like in the process of getting my asking like my bridesmaids to like be my bridesmaids, you know, so that makes me feel really grateful because it just makes me really happy to have such great people and great friends in my life. And yeah, I'm really grateful for that. But without further ado, let's go ahead and get into the episode. So I do have a Goodreads if any of you are wondering. I don't typically write reviews on books unless I have time or if I just happen to think of it. Like there are definitely some books that I've absolutely loved and I've just only given them a star rating and I haven't like wrote an actual review on Goodreads. Um, And then there's some books that like I really liked and I happened to leave a review on it just because I thought about it and it doesn't really like speak to whether or not I like love the book more or not but I do have a Goodreads it's just my name but it's my full name so Abigail Aslin instead of Abby Aslin um and if you want to follow me on Goodreads and like I said I've read 10 books this year which it's probably good that I've only read 10 because this would be a really long episode probably if I had read any more than 10 so I wanted to go through my books I've read 4,193 pages, which Goodreads tells you this, and I've read 10 books, um, like I said. So I, my shortest book was Every Summer After, which was 320 pages, and then my longest book was Good Old A Court of Miss and Fury that I just finished last night, which is was 641 pages. And I am going to um, go through, I think, my most recent to my least recent just because that's just what I want to do. So my most recent is A Court of Mist and Fury, which if you haven't heard of it, you're living under a rock more than likely <laughs> and you should probably fix that. No, I'm just kidding. Um, it's by Sarah J. Mass and she is a genius, absolute genius. I admire her brain. I am like, how on God's green earth did you manage to write this flipping series. I'm not even done with it yet, but I am just in awe. I love this book so much. This is my favorite book. 
like as of right now, this is my favorite book I've ever read. And it's for a variety of reasons. I posted like kind of a synopsis brief review, not really a synopsis. It was more of just like a brief review about how it made me feel. Um, Cause I don't like to leave actual reviews on my Instagram stories after I finish reading books because I never want anything to be spoiled, which I would say spoiler alert if there was, but I just kind of like to like say how the books made me feel or like w- something particular that I liked about it that doesn't really give away anything. Um, and I kind of mentioned on my story, I was like, it's got everything, you know, it's has the fantasy, it has the action, the comedy, the romance, there's like some thriller aspects to it. It's so good because it's so well-rounded, but it's also really good because Sarah J. Mass, like she just really knows how to develop a, and kind of establish this perspective that you'll have of a character and like everyone probably feels like for the most part universally the same about a character but then like she just with her storytelling she can completely like flip that perspective and it's really cool because it almost makes you feel like you're even more connected to the characters because it's like oh I thought you were this way but like all of this has happened and there's been all this character development and you're actually like not like that at all and it just like really makes you so enthralled in the characters and their stories and makes you feel really connected to them because it makes it so much more real and personalized when you are almost developing this relationship with a character because you're like thinking they're one way but they're really another it's kind of like the same process you go through like when you're making friends or when you're dating like you're learning about people and you're seeing the character development their growth and everything and then you're like wait I thought you were this way and you're actually this way so it really just makes it a lot more interesting and makes you feel like you're almost reading another book but I'm just tooting uh Sarah J Mass's horn right now but it just for the synopsis of the book this is um from goodreads for a court of mist and fury which i guess i should probably this is the second book in the series of a court of thorn and roses and i think there's five books in it but i could completely be wrong i have no idea but the synopsis summary whatever says the seductive and stunning number one new york times best-selling sequel to sarah j mass's spellbinding a court of thorns and roses Feyre has undergone more trials than one human woman can carry in her heart Though she's now been granted the power and lifespan of the High Fae, she is haunted by her time under the mountain and the terrible deeds she performed to save the lives of Tamlin and his people. As her marriage to Tamlin approaches, Feyre's hollowness and nightmares consume her. She finds herself split into two different people, one who upholds her bargain with Rysen, High Lord of the Feared Night Court, and one who lives out her life in the Spring Court with Tamlin. While Feyre navigates a dark web of politics, passion, and dazzling power, a greater evil looms. She might just be the key to stopping it, but only if she can harness her harrowing gifts, heal her fractured soul, and decide how she wishes to shape her future and the future of a world in turmoil. Best-selling author Sarah J. Mass's masterful storytelling brings the second book and her dazzling, sexy, action-packed series to new heights. Something about me is that I have this really this this part of my personality. It's like this addictive thing, I guess. I don't really know, but it's really only with books. I'm not this way with TV shows. I'm not this way with movies. It's just with books. But if I like a character or like a couple in a book a lot, I obsess over them. Like they consume my existence, my thoughts. I'm constantly 24-7 thinking about the book. I'm looking at the subreddits related to the book. I'm looking up fan art related to the book. I'm doing like literally anything and everything and I'm just obsessing over 
the character and like doing all I can to consume more and more and more about the character outside of the book because I'm just like oh my gosh I'm addicted to this and that's how I feel about a particular character in this book I'm not gonna say it because I feel like it's kind of a spoiler but they're I, I just literally the perfect character I can't imagine a more perfect person like or character whatever and that character's relationship in the book is like I wish I could live in this book in this world in their world to witness the love story because it's just that great there is so much tension and I loved like it was almost annoying in the second book because I was just like oh my gosh there's so much tension like I I'm loving this like I can tell that there's something here but then it's like once it's unleashed oh my gosh it's the best thing ever and I just really adore the couple the characters the selflessness of these characters and I just absolutely loved it. Um, I'm trying to like do this episode without giving spoilers, which is a little hard, but I feel like if you've read the book, you know what I'm talking about. So I absolutely loved it though. Like I said, I literally had just every emotion while reading the book. In the last like few chapters, I thought I was going to have heart failure a few times. Like I was like literally like hyperventilating because I was like, oh my gosh, literally what is happening? I was freaking out because I was like, if this book ends this way, I'm going to have to stay up through this entire night and start the next one because there's no way I can be like, it, or it did have a cliffhanger, but I'm like, if this is ending the way I think it's ending, which it didn't end the way I thought it would. But I was like, if it, if this is really going to end this way, I have to know what happens next because my heart simply can't just fall asleep. Like I can't just like go to sleep after reading that because my heart was like, going to be in pieces and it's oh my gosh it's just so good I screaming crying throwing throwing up that's like literally the theme of this book and I just absolutely love the dynamic and the relationship of the main characters of really like really all with each other the imagery is truly fascinating and captivating and it's really honestly impressive because I feel like the imagery really spans across very contrasting places and things. So it's like you're really experiencing so many different places that have like different looks, different aesthetics, different um, just vibes, I guess, in general. And the way that Sarah Mass just like takes the way she describes everything and the imagery is just really really powerful because it's not like you're in one setting the whole time there are so many different settings and the fact that I was able to like really have these strong visuals for completely different looking places speaks a lot to how good the imagery was and I just absolutely love that because I hate when I'm reading a book and I just like can't really picture things and I'm having to rely on my own imagination too much because I'm like I need you to give me a little bit more Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. And I feel like she just gives really a lot of detail to establish really strong imagery. And I really appreciate that. But at the same time, I will say, I think it's because of how Rysand is, I feel like I'm saying his name wrong, but it's just a hard name 
to say, and because it, it's like I haven't heard this name before, but rice and I rice. I'm gonna say rice because that's is that how you pronounce it? Reese, rice, rice. It has to be rice. It's not Reese. There's no way. <laughs> Anyways, I um really feel like because of how we meet him in the first book, um, that's kind of how you establish the way he looks in your head and how you visualize him. And I had posted on my Instagram story that unfortunately, even though like he was described as being like mesmerizing or whatever, breathtakingly handsome, I don't know how the exact words were in the first book, I kind of like didn't let just that description form my visualization of him. I unfortunately pictured him as Aro or Arrow, I don't know how you pronounce it, from Twilight, the guy in the Volturi. Um, really just like scary looking evil man in Twilight. And because he was from like the Night Court, I think that that was why I pictured him that way. Because I was just picturing something dark and like evil because that's kind of like the vibe we get from him in the first book and everything. So that's how I was picturing him for a long time. But thankfully, one of my friends from work, like she sent me some fan art and I was like, okay, this is what I needed because this fan art is sexy and I needed a good... I needed a better visualization of him because reading a, a lot in like the second book and like towards the end of the first book, I was like, I just feel like this is not how he's supposed to look and it's because it wasn't. So um, really just honestly look up fan art before you like even start reading or like once you start reading so that you can have like a good visualization. I feel like it makes the books a lot better. And I mean, I'm sitting here talking about Sarah J Mass's like imagery and how great it is and it's really great like she has really great descriptions of the characters too it was more so of my own fault in how I visualized everything but I'm saying like once you like get a really good visual of everyone in your heads I feel like it makes the book so much better I don't know but I highly recommend this book um and I highly recommend the series so far like I've only read through the first two like I said I literally just finished this one last night um, I will say the first book, which we'll get to reviewing that in a second. So actually, we'll get to that later because I'm going to keep going through my reviews. But I rate this one a 1 billion out of 5. So there's that. Um, and if you disagree, cool. We can agree to disagree. But I just really liked this book. It really just hit everything I wanted it to hit. And it was just so captivating. And I am truly just all consumed by it right now. And it's really annoying because I absolutely hate about myself that I like get so consumed by characters and books because it's like I have all of these feelings in me and like I feel like I can't like do anything with them because I'm like this is literally fake it's a book it's fictional and I'm sitting here feeling so much passion for it and it's all just like cooped up inside of me and I'm just like oh my gosh I and that's why it's good to have like friends who also read it so you can like share the love with them and everything but I just hate how like all consumed I get by it because I'm like I literally just want to like live my life without like thinking about this couple and like this this whole story like but it's hard once you're in it. So okay, let's get into the next book I read for this year. Um, the second most recent is The Nightingale. So this one is by Kristen Hanna and I loved this one. I give it a five out of five. Before I read A Court of Miss and Fury, it was like definitely my favorite. I said it was like in my top three, but I didn't know what the other two were is kind of how I described it. Like, so I was like, I know it's not my favorite book, but like it's up there. And the summary for this book says on Goodreads, with courage, grace, and powerful insight, bestselling author Kristen Hanna captures the epic panorama of World War II and illuminates an intimate part of history seldom seen, the women's war. 
The Nightingale tells the stories of two sisters separated by years and experience, by ideals, passion, and circumstance, each embarking on her own dangerous path towards survival, love, and freedom in German-occupied, war-torn France. A heartbreakingly beautiful novel that celebrates the resilience of the human spirit and the durability of women. It is a novel for everyone, a novel for a lifetime. I really loved this book as well for a number of reasons. This is historical fiction. Um, it's actually, I think the movie's coming out pretty soon from what one of my friends told me, which is really exciting. But this book was really hard to read. Like it was very, I, I was ugly crying during it. I was crying like really through the whole back half of it. Um, just because it's so hard to, which I mean, we're just reading about it, but it is so hard when you realize and you have that realization of, oh my gosh, people lived through these horrors and it was, you know, so much worse, I'm sure, than like what we're reading on paper. But when authors like really tell the story well, it just really is so heartbreaking. And I mean, it's heartbreaking as is, but when you're reading about it and it just really like tugs at your heartstrings and makes you realize like this, like, you know, people suffered through very hateful, horrible things. And I really enjoyed this book because I loved that it did focus on, like it said, the, um, a part of World War II that was more untold, which like I said, was the women's war. And that's so true because I feel like when you're in school, you really just hear a lot about, like you have pages and pages in your history textbooks of the men in the war and like how the, all this stuff about men basically. And then you have like a paragraph with a heading, like a small little heading on the women's war. And it's like, oh, this is what the women's situation was. And you're just kind of like, okay. So this was a great visualization and just representation, I guess, of the women's war, like telling that story. And I really liked that I was able to like have a different perspective. And I loved the character development in this book because I felt like both of the sisters were very, there were polar opposites in a way, but they developed into, you know, uniting under the same like passion. And I do think that I did take a while to sort of get into it and get like truly captivated by it. But I, I tend to find that when you're reading like these more dense books, like fantasy and historical fiction, like there's going to have to be some background established so that you kind of have an idea of what's going on and what you're getting into. And you have to establish like a lot of history and a lot of just like for fantasy, you have to establish like a lot of like pol politics because typically fantasy has, you know, like their politics played into it and everything and it did take a little bit to get into it but once I was like I'd say about 40 to 50 percent of the way through I really really got more and more into it because it really t started to pick up more and you weren't really getting like the relationships between the characters established anymore and it's like okay this is like now like everything's starting to happen and I did really like this book and there definitely check trigger warnings before reading this book because there are a lot and I wouldn't I gave it five stars out of five stars and I think that if the ending wouldn't have been the way it was it probably would have been like 4.3 for me but the ending like really tied things up and it was honestly just a very moving story and it really was it, it just painted a picture of, you know, how lives were just absolutely disrupted and changed forever. And I think another thing that was so special about this book is that Kristen Hanna really does a good job of establishing the characters and their relationships and just developing them. And I felt like that was just like a really strong 
points in the book is I felt very connected to all of the characters and how they were connected with each other and I feel like a lot of times that's not the case in historical fiction and you kind of just feel like you're not very emotionally connected to the characters like you are I feel like in historical fiction but at the same time it's almost like the relationships that the characters have with other characters is what's hard to sort of grasp and feel something from in historical fiction it's more so like the main character that you get most of the emotion from but I really felt like she did an incredible job from the different perspectives of the sisters and really making you feel something for them but also just feeling for their relationships with the other characters because I felt like she did a really good job of establishing and developing the characters themselves and the relationships with the other characters which I really appreciated because it made the story all the more special so I definitely recommend this book as well if you liked all the light we cannot see you would love this book I liked all the light we cannot see more in ways but I don't like rate it any differently I'd say they're like the same and I say five stars but like really you can't really give exact ratings on Goodreads but I'd say like 4.8 for this just because it was slower to get into but that is expected in historical fiction and fantasy honestly like if you're jumping into historical fiction and fantasy expecting there to like not be any slow parts like that's just not a good expectation to have because I feel like it's bound to happen and it's inevitable so I did really like this book and I highly highly recommend it for anyone no matter what genre you like I feel like it can really be a very powerful and moving book that a lot of people no matter what genre you typically are most drawn to you can enjoy this book and like really love the process of reading it because it is truly so heartbreaking and emotionally heavy that I I can't imagine someone reading this book and not being moved by it I guess is what I'm trying to say so I highly recommend The Nightingale. Okay I've got to speed these reviews up because this episode's gonna end up being so long because we're only into the third book and we're 30 minutes into the episode but they'll go faster now because I'm getting more into the books that I read like over the summer and at the beginning of the year so I won't have as many like recent thoughts I guess on these books so I can really just give like my overall impressions but the next book is Part of Your World by Abby Jimenez 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 one of those um but this summary says after a wild bet gourmet grilled cheese sandwich and cuddle with a baby goat Alexis Montgomery has has had her world turned upside down the cause Daniel Grant a ridiculously hot carpenter who's 10 years younger than her and as casual as they come the complete opposite of sophisticated city girl Alexis. And yet their chemistry is undeniable. While her ultra-wealthy parents want her to carry on the family legacy of world-renowned surgeons, Alexis doesn't need glory or fame. She's fine with being a mere ER doctor. And every minute she spends with Daniel in the tight-knit town where he lives, she's discovering just what's really important. Yet letting their relationship become anything more than a short-term fling would mean turning her back on her family and giving up the opportunity to help thousands of people. Bringing Daniel into her world is impossible, and yet she can't just give up the joy she's found with him either. With so many differences between them, how can Alexis possibly choose between her world and his? This New York Times bestselling author of Life's Too Short delivers a refreshingly modern fairy tale perfect for fans of Casey McQuiston and Emily Henry. So this book is like a very classic romance, and it's like contemporary romance. It's chick lit, that kind of vibe. And I read this this summer and it was a really great summer read, but really it's great to read year round. This was literally such a wholesome book. If there's like one word to describe this book, it's wholesome to me. I absolutely love this book because I am such a fan of like opposites attract and like 
I love Enemies to Lovers, which I feel like is a lot of the books I've read lately. But I also just love like a classic love story and an opposites attract situation. And I also just really loved how it was a little bit different than your typical, I guess, storyline, just because I liked that the guy was younger because I felt like it sort of brought out the youth in the main character, Alexis. And typically, you know, I feel like in society, women are just like, oh, we need to go after, I feel like the stereotype, and this is a very blanket statement, so I'm not saying this is like the truth. I'm just saying this is just a blanket statement. I feel like women typically like to go after older men so that they're on the same sort of emotional maturity level. Obviously, that's not always the case. But I liked that this was sort of a different POV because typically you see like in the real world and in books, it's like the woman's going after an older man or something. But here, the man's a lot younger. And the man in this book, Daniel, is literally just dream guy, basically, like really painted to be the best man. And I just thought it was such a wholesome read. And honestly, it was really Alexis was really relatable in the sense that, you know, she had sort of shaped her entire life and her whole existence and all of her goals and her achievements based on people pleasing and trying to live up to her family's standards. And I think certain aspects of that are extremely relatable at my age as like a coming out of college postgrad situation. You know, she's been doing something that was kind of just like thrown into her lap and expected of her and she meets someone that you know helps her embrace her authentic self and I absolutely love that because I just found that so relatable and I really loved that development throughout the book how she went you know you saw her from being this workaholic someone who is you know living up to her family's standards and just pursuing that and how you gradually see how she sort of becomes part of Daniel's world like the title says and in doing so, she becomes her authentic self and she is able to identify what she really cares about and really free herself from the chains of her family's expectations and society's expectations and allows her to just be herself um, for the sake of herself and for love. Um, so I really, really love this book. It was a really cute story, very easy read, like you could read this in one day. Um, it was really, really good. And I definitely want to read more of Abby's books because I just really liked this one. I just thought it was very well written. It was really easy to get through. And I always was wanting to like read more. I, there was never like a point where I was like, okay, I'm done reading right now. I want to do something else. Like I was just very captivated. And I feel like that's pretty telling because a lot of times with romance and chiclet, like it can be very repetitive, redundant, and you can kind of just like predict what's going to happen and that sort of thing. And while this book was predictable at times, I really loved the ending and I really felt like it, I got good closure, you know what I mean? Like from the, all the characters and like with the ending of the book, a lot of times with like chiclets and stuff, I feel like I don't get the ending I wanted, like I wanted more from it. And I just really felt like this was a very complete, well-told love story. So I highly recommend this book. I gave it five stars out of five stars and I still stand by that. Okay, next is Archer's Voice by Mia Sheridan. This one is very polarizing, I feel like, because I have heard people who couldn't stand it and I've heard people who are like, this is my favorite book ever. I initially gave it a five stars, but I went I went back and gave it four stars because comparatively speaking, it is more of a four star book for me. I gave it five stars initially just because of the emotional roller coaster I was kind of on right after I finished reading it. 
And because of the high emotions, I was like, oh, it's five stars. Like, oh my gosh, loved it. But then when like I really thought about it and I was thinking about it compared to like other love stories and stuff I've read, I was like, okay, this genuinely wasn't five stars for me. It was four. And that doesn't mean I don't think you should read it. I still think it was a great read. Um, It has an average of 4.32 on Goodreads, which is really solid. But here is the summary for Archer's voice. When Brie Prescott arrives in the sleepy lakeside town of Peleon, Maine, she hopes against hope that this is the place where she will finally find the peace she so desperately seeks. On her first day there, her life collides with Archer Hale, an isolated man who holds a secret agony of his own, a man no one else sees. Archer's voice is a story of a woman chained to the memory of one horrifying night and the man whose love is the key to her freedom. It is a story of a silent man who lives with an excruciating wound and the woman who helps him find his voice. It is a story of suffering, fate, and the transformative power of love. So let me start with the things that I didn't love about this book. It was a little cringy at times. There were several scenes where I was just like, this is a little cringy. Um, And just... Some of, like, the romance scenes, I was just kind of like, eh, it's a little cringy. And then there were also just some scenes that were just, like, a little too, I don't know. But I did really like this book. There was a lot of character development in it. So if you're, like, a big fan of, like, seeing transformation in characters, this is a great book for that. Um, It's a great love story. And I think that the whole aspect of, you know, like, the trauma and running away to, like, start over um, from the trauma and just try to start a new life for yourself and start somewhere new is something very relatable to a lot of people. So I think that it's touching in that aspect. And I also love that this, um, story was, was a romance story and it had, you know, sign language was such a big part of it and being deaf. And I just thought that that was like great representation for a group that's typically underrepresented, underrepresented in books. Um, and I just really thought it was very touching and it was a very, cute story um it's definitely a spicy book it's like not the spiciest thing ever but it's definitely spicy um and I haven't said if any of the other books are spicy I should probably go back and add that in so I will but anyways um I liked this book a lot and I really loved the ending the ending was very touching and it made me cry and I just thought that there were several things in this book like I was just kind of that were predictable I was like I could tell that was gonna happen or it's just kind of like oh of course that's the way it went and like that kind of feeling and that's kind of why I gave it four stars is because it was a bit more predictable than I would like and there were some twists that like I didn't see coming but really just like the cringe of some of the moments and the predictableness of it I had to like take a star off because I was like "Eh, it's not really five stars but I do think that if you are wanting to read a romance novel and witness and read a incredible love story I think that this is a great book to look into just because it's not your typical cliche love story because there are so many elements of it that make it very unique and I do think like that's Archer kind of let Brie in really quickly like he was made out to be this guy that was well I say made out he was this guy that was extremely shut off and like basically everybody in the town was like he doesn't speak he doesn't know anybody he doesn't talk to anyone whatever and I feel like she just kind of like he let her in really easily and I was expecting there to be more of like a back and forth with that and there was for a little bit but I was expecting it to be like more complex or more difficult for Brie to get him to open up but really all it took was her paying attention to him but I mean honestly maybe that just speaks to the fact that he was just like that lonely and that shunned from his own you know town 
that all it took was someone like actually paying mind to him for him to open up. Um, but it was a really beautiful story and I really liked that, you know, it just took like two characters that had a lot of their own trauma and a lot of their own struggles just came together and really became a power couple and became so much stronger individually and together. So I did really like this book for that reason. But like I said, there were like a few things that kind of just made it more of a four star for me. The next one is Heartbones, and I loved Heartbones. This one I gave five stars. This is by Colleen Hoover, and this is probably my favorite Colleen Hoover book. I loved Verity. I'm not like a Colleen Hoover, like, I don't, you know, ride her all day long or anything, but like I'm ride or die for her or whatever. I just, I don't know. I like her books, but at the same time, I've just read some romance novels that are just like so much deeper, I guess. I don't know. And I really liked Heartbones. I gave it five stars. Uh, this one has 4.3 on Goodreads, which once again is really good. And this one was not like spicy, but it was a beautiful, beautiful story. Um, once again, this this book is a story of two individuals who kind of come together through trauma. But you know one of the trauma, one of the re- characters' traumas, and then you don't know the others until like much later in the book. And it is just a very captivating story. And the summary says, Life and a dismal last name are the only two things Bea Grimm's parents ever gave her. After carving her path all on her own, Bea is well on her way to bigger and better things thanks to no one but herself. With only two short months separating her from the future she's built and the past she desperately wants to leave behind, an unexpected death leaves Bea with no place to go during the interim. Forced to reach out to her last resort, Bea has to spend the remainder of her summer on a peninsula in Texas with a father she barely knows. Bea's plan is to keep her head down and let the summer slip by seamlessly, but her new neighbor Samson throws a wrench in that plan. Samson and Bea have nothing in common on the surface. She comes from a life of poverty and neglect. He comes from a family of wealth and privilege. But one thing they do have in common is that they're both drawn to sad things, which means they're drawn to each other. With an almost immediate connection too intense for them to continue denying, Bea and Samson agree to stay in the shallow end of a summer fling. What Bea doesn't realize is that a rip current is coming and it's about to, about to drag her heart out to sea. This one was so good. I cried in this. I related a lot. Um, I, I, felt, I found the characters very relatable. You know, like, like the main character, Bea, she had a lot of family trauma. And I'm not saying I relate to that part, but... I, she had a lot of family trauma, and I think that the, her coping mechanisms and the way that she just sort of had the, I'm going to get where I'm going, and no one's going to stop me because I can do everything on my own independent attitude was very relatable. Um, and I think that the characters in this were just so hard not to love. And I just absolutely loved the way these characters came together, um, Bea and Samson, and their love story was truly just iconic and I just love the ending of the book as well I thought it had a wonderful well-written ending and I love that it was based on the beach any time a book has a setting of the beach I'm like that automatically gives it like a base of three stars for me like you really don't have to do that much more to get it to five stars because it's just something that I relate to and I can visualize really well and it's something that I love and I loved how she like they bonded over sadness and I loved how both of them would would just always be like staring out at the sea because I just like totally know what that feels like where you're just like overwhelmed with an emotion, whether it's, you know, sadness or just, you know, maybe you're really happy, whatever it is. Like if you just 
turn to the sea like I don't know it's just this thing that I totally understand and it was really cool that it was based um off the coast of Texas too I thought that was really neat I haven't been to the place it's based out of but I'm relatively close to it and I just really thought that this was a great summer read um if you want a good summer read it's definitely sad and heavy at times but I really really love the ending and I just truly think that this the turns in this one I wasn't expecting and I really liked that it was once again sort of a it wasn't necessarily opposites attract but different backgrounds coming together to make something you know really strong and sort of like Archer's voice how two characters who had very different traumas and backgrounds came together to be really strong individuals and a really strong couple so I really love this book as well and um it was a really fun light read and I could I say fun, but there were aspects of it that was fun. The whole thing wasn't fun because there were definitely some very dark and sad parts. But I really thought that this one was great. And it's kind of cool because you get to see the development from when the trauma happens for Bea all the way through to coming out on the other side of it. And th- over the course of like many years, because I'm pretty sure she was in like high school and then I mean, she's out of college when it ends, when you get the ending. So I really liked that because it spanned over a lot of time. Um, And I just really liked it. I thought that it was a very touching book as well. And I definitely recommend it. So the next one is the first nonfiction one. This is actually the only nonfiction book I read this year or started and finished, I guess I should say. And actually, I don't even think I'm 100% done with it, but I'm going to include it because I'm basically done with it. I think I have like maybe three more chapters or something, but 101 Essays That Will Change the Way You Think by Brianna Weist. So this one I have included in so many podcast episodes, so I will spare you a lot of the um, hype up that I could do because I know I've done so many quotes from this book as my quotes of the week, and I know I've talked about it a lot because I was really heavily reading it throughout sort of the beginning of the year in the summer. But the summary says, over the past few years, Brianna Weiss has gained renown for her deeply moving philosophical writing. This new compilation of her published work features pieces on why you should pursue purpose over passion, embrace negative thinking, see the wisdom in daily routine, and become aware of the cognitive biases that are creating the way you see your life. Some of these pieces have never been seen. Others have been read by millions of people around the world. Regardless, each will leave you thinking, this idea changed my life. And I definitely agree with that. Um, I'm, I think that this is probably one of my more favorite, if not my favorite, self-help type of book that I've read. I really liked The Defining Decade, especially because I read it at a very good time. I read it like when I was like 21, I think. And um, this book, though, I really liked the format of it, um, how it's just like the essay style format, and it's all just like a lot of different topics, and it's not like you're reading all on one thing. And there were so many times in this book where I just stopped and I was like, for lack of a better phrase, I was just like, holy shit, this is like very real. Like this is slapping me in the face and making me come to terms with a lot. And it really opened my eyes to a lot of my struggles and made me realize like, wow, I don't, I'm not the only person that struggles with this. It made me get really real with myself with some things um, because you would read some things and you were just like, that's how you articulate that. Got it. And then it makes you, once you like see it on paper and you see it in words, a lot of those difficult feelings and emotions that you have, it makes them so much more real. And then it kind of puts you face to face with them, which is definitely uncomfortable, but it's a good thing. And I I have highlighted probably over 50% of this book because it's, there there were just a lot of revolutionary groundbreaking things. And I think that this book is especially helpful for those of us that 
are more emotional, have a lot of emotions, um, would consider your, themselves like a highly emotional person or a highly sensitive person. And I think that if you are someone like that, when you start to see emotions articulated into words like on paper, especially if you're more visual, when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply it's really groundbreaking because I think a lot of people, if you're someone who's just like not that emotional, you probably wouldn't think that this book is anything too crazy revolutionary. Um, and if you're not somebody who's super visual, I could also see how this would just be like something you skim through and you're like, Oh, there's some good nuggets of information, but it's nothing special. However, if you're just like a highly emotional person, highly sensitive person, if you just have a lot of thoughts that remain cooped up inside of you and a lot of feelings remain cooped up inside of you because you feel like you can't really articulate them to anyone for whatever reason it might be because you feel like you don't have anyone or because you just can't articulate them. I feel like this just made me feel a lot less alone and it gave me different perspectives and I was able to sort of just force myself to be real with myself a lot about a lot of stuff and I was reading this as I was starting therapy and going through ther therapy and that was like really helpful because it was really solidifying like a lot of the things I was learning in therapy about myself and helping me dig a little bit deeper um, in terms of a lot of the things that I struggle with. So I highly recommend this. And that's something that I've been, I love that you can just pick it up and read it and put it back down, not pick it up for months and read it again. And I could go back and reread it and still get a lot out of it um, because that's just the way it is. So I definitely recommend that one. And I'll give this one like five stars. There's no reason for me to not give it five stars, honestly. So I do really, really like it. Next is Book Lovers. I gave this one five stars as well. This is by Emily Henry. Um, this I would say is more of like a 4.6, 4.7, but obviously rounds up to five. I read People We Meet on Vacation by Emily Henry and I read it like right around the time it was like extremely popular. And I think that was a mistake because I was seeing it hyped up so much on social media. And I think I just had these like earth shattering expectations for it, unfortunately. And it just did not reach those expectations um, for people we meet on vacation. I really did not care for that book all that much. And Book Lovers is relatively spicy, um, nothing crazy, but I really liked this a lot. It was, I think I read this book in like two days, if that. Um, I was literally just in the pool reading it for like two days straight. But the summary says, one summer, two rivals, a plot twist they didn't see coming. Nora Stevens' life is books. She's read them all and she is not that type of heroine. Not the plucky one, not the laid-back dream girl, and especially not the sweetheart. In fact, the only people Nora is a heroine for are her clients, for whom she lands enormous deals as a cutthroat literary agent and her beloved little sister Libby, which is why she agrees to go to Sunshine Falls, North Carolina, for the month of August when Libby begs her for a sister's trip away, with visions of a small-town transformation for Nora, who, who she's convinced needs to become the heroine in her own story. But instead of picnics and meadows or run-ins with a handsome country doctor or bulging four-armed bartender, Nora keeps bumping into Charlie Lostra, a bookish brooding editor from back in the city. It would be a meet-cute if not for the fact that they've met many times and it's never been cute. 
If Nora knows she's not an ideal heroine, Charlie knows he's nobody. He's nobody's hero. But as they are thrown together again and again in a series of coincidences, no editor worth their salt would allow. What they discover might just unravel the carefully crafted stories they've written about themselves. I just thought that this was a really cool book because I really related to the main character, Nora. Um, she is a just really seemed like a workaholic and I was just like dang I relate to that a lot um kind of like nothing gets in the way of me and my work I will I put like my well-being on the line for my work like that kind of thing and I definitely relate to that and there were a lot of times in this book where I did have that kind of oh how convenient type of like thought however there were enough twists and the things that followed those oh how convenient thoughts made up for those oh how convenient thoughts if you know what I'm saying because like for Archer's voice it was like oh how convenient and that was it but for this it's like oh I of course like she runs into him here of course but what follows all of that makes up for you kind of guessing that that would be coming because there are several twists that you're just kind of like oh my gosh and I just thought that this book was such a fun read. I thoroughly enjoyed reading this book and I loved the banter and the dynamic between Charlie and Nora. I loved the tension. I loved seeing them kind of go from sort of just like enemy workers to developing a relationship and kind of once again, you know, becoming stronger together than they are apart type of situation. And I just thought that it was really good. I really liked the ending for this one too. I feel like this year was a year of me reading books where like I actually liked the endings most of the time because I typically am someone who gets like really frustrated with endings. Um, but it's usually in the sense of, ugh, I want more. Like, why'd you have to end already type of feeling, which is a good thing. I mean, that means that it was a good book. But I wanted to read because I... So I saw like a Goodreads review when I was like going through and like looking at the books I read this year and getting ready for this episode because I didn't really like plan this episode out. I was just like, I'm just going to sort of like on the surface, like go through how I felt about the book just raw and upfront without planning it out. And I did see a Goodreads review for this book that I wanted to share, not the whole review, but just a quote that they had in their review. And I was like, yes, I remember this quote. And I remember being like, oh my God, that's so good. Um, in this book, I will say, I love when I'm reading like a romance novel or a fantasy book, and it still has those just like heart gripping statements and those just, oh my gosh, it's the best thing ever because it just really makes it feel so real when you know you're reading like just like this little chiclet book or whatever it makes it so much more deep and so much less surface level which I love because that's how how I kind of feel with like Colleen Hoover books a lot of them just feel surface level in the sense that like yes there's high emotion in them but they feel surface level as in like the way certain things are written I feel like they could be written on a more intense level to really evoke stronger emotions and not that I don't know maybe that's probably a hot take but I Really, I love, like, I think that there's a lot of emotions in Colleen Hoover's books. However, I think that lit from a literary standpoint, I think that if you're just writing, like, a chiclet book, a romance novel, or even, like, a fantasy novel or something, and you manage to have, like, these really strong lines in the book, it just makes it feel, it makes you connect a lot more to it and the characters, and it makes it a lot less of a surface level like rom-com type of book and this is the um quote that I saw in the Goodreads review that I wanted to share because I loved it I love it love it love it love it 
It says, all these years spent thinking I had superhuman self-control, and now I realize I just never put anything I wanted too badly in front of myself. Oh my gosh, that's such a good quote. Like, oh my gosh, I I just loved, I love this. And I love that Nora kind of goes from, like, she's kind of drawn out and painted to be this just, like, bitchy, like, I, my career comes first and I only care about that type of person. Like she can't take, you know, time away from work and time away from the city because it's such a disservice to her. And she kind of just turns into this just a lot more down to earth character than you think she is in the beginning, which I really loved. Um, So this was a really great book and I loved that she like kept her same, her same passions and her same personality it's not like she did this 180 because I find a lot of times it's like oh this character is painted to be this one way and you have this idea of this character and then they like go through everything and they're like a completely different person but they lose touch and they lose a lot of the things that they had that made them them and a lot of like their passions throughout their character development but I felt like Nora she really you know, was this really driven woman and really hardworking woman. And she stayed that way, but she just became a lot more down to earth. So I love that character development, how she remained very authentic and true to herself, but falling in love sort of put like her in a place where she was just a lot more down to earth and where she opened her heart up more. So I just really liked that a lot. So I did like that book a lot and I definitely recommend it. Next we have Every Summer After. This is probably my top three books as well. Um, This one's pretty spicy. I give it like a two, three maybe. I can't really remember exactly how spicy it is, but this is by Carly Fortune and I gave this, why did I give this four stars? Oh my gosh. I think I might have given it four stars because of, oh wait, did I give it five stars? Did I just accidentally give it five stars? I'm so confused. I was just looking at it on Goodreads and it said four stars and then I scrolled down and then I scrolled back up and it said five. So I don't know if I gave it five or four because I might have just accidentally touched the fifth star. I'm not really sure. I thought it was five, like sitting here right now speaking to you all, I think it's five stars. But I think right after I read it, I do remember being like frustrated and feeling like the ending was rushed and I wanted more from the ending. So I could have been like a little pissed off about that and gave it four stars and just accidentally gave it five stars. Anyways, let's go ahead and get into the summary for this one. Six summers to fall in love. One moment to fall apart. A weekend to get it right. They say you can never go home again. And for Persephone Fraser, ever since she made the biggest mistake of her life a decade ago, that has felt too true. Instead of glittering summers on the lakeshore of her childhood, she spends them in a stylish apartment in the city, going out with friends and keeping everyone a safe distance from her heart until she receives the call that sends her racing back to Barry's Bay and into the orbit of Sam Florick, the man she never thought she'd have to live without. For six summers, through hazy afternoons on the water and warm summer nights working in his family's restaurant and curling up together with books, medical textbooks for him, and work-in-progress horror short stories for her, Percy and Sam had been inseparable. Eventually, that friendship turned into something breathtakingly more before it fell spectacularly apart. When Percy returns to the lake for Sam's mother's funeral, their connection is as undeniable as it had always been. 
But until Percy can confront the decision, decisions she made and the years she spent punishing herself for them, they'll never know whether their love might be bigger, bigger than the biggest mistakes of their past. Told over the course of six years and one weekend, every summer after is a big, sweeping, nostalgic look at love and the people and choices that mark us forever. And I just thought that this was a very sweet and wholesome book, but it ripped my heart out. It put it back together. It's my heart physically hurt from this book several times. And I was really nervous to read it because I definitely similar to people we meet on vacation that I read like a few years ago. I felt like I was reading this right around the time that it was like really getting a lot of internet hype. And I was worried because I was like, if this is going to ruin this, then I'm going to lose my mind. But I just thought it was very sweet. And, um, it was definitely predictable at times. I didn't predict everything in the book, but I loved the whole, like going back to the hometown storyline and, you know, you can run away from your mistakes by kind of coming back to them and just kind of the whole story, the theme is just like, okay, you know, things are messy. Things can be messy and, you know, love can still come out of that. And that's not really a theme, but I'm just saying, generally speaking, that's kind of the vibe throughout the book. Um, but I truly like couldn't really put this book down. I loved every second that I was reading it and I loved how it went back and forth from past to present. And I felt like it did a really good job of doing so. Sometimes it can be really confusing when books do that. And I thought that it did a really good job with the character development in terms of since it does span over six years, it was really nice to see how the characters did change and it was interesting to go back and forth between past and present and kind of see how they like live their lives separate but then what their lives were like together once in the past and then how they were like in the present after all of that time apart and everything and I thought that it was just like a very cute relatable story but feel like it kind of almost heals your inner child in the sense of like just reading about like a childhood teenage romance I don't know when you're older and you're reading about that it's kind of just like I don't know. It's touching and it's kind of just like heartwarming in a way. But I really did love this. But I do, I do remember now I was just upset that we didn't get more of the ending in terms of we didn't get enough present day. I felt like we needed, like we got a lot of past, which was needed for the book. And then we did get some present, but I felt like I just wanted more of the story for how things ended up. And that is just why I kind of was upset and I think probably gave it four stars and I think I just accidentally gave Percy it five stars. Percy definitely did frustrate me at times and I thought she was really annoying at times and I think that that's just sort of part of her story and her development. So that made it a little bit difficult at times but I do still really like the book and I thought that it was a great like second chance love story type of thing so I do definitely recommend it. And then we have Summer of 69 by Ellen Hildebrand, and I read this during the summer as well, and this was my first Ellen Hildebrand, Hildebrand book, I think, um, and I absolutely loved this book. I did give it four stars just because I think this one as well, I wanted the end more from the ending, and I remember thinking it was like a little dragged out at parts and everything. It was just a really good summer book and it felt like it just had like an extra layer of depth and just added extra something to it just because of the time period it's based in but let's go ahead and read the summary 
The summary says four siblings experienced the drama, intrigue, and upheaval of a summer when everything changed in New York Times bestselling author Ellen Hildebrand's first historical novel. Welcome to the most tumultuous summer of the 20th century. It's 1969, and for the Levin family, the times they are a-changing. Every year, the children have looked forward to spending the summer at their grandmother's historic home in downtown Nantucket. But like so much else in America, nothing is the same. Blair, the older sister, is marooned in Boston, pregnant with twins, and unable to travel. Middle sister Kirby, caught up in the thrilling vortex of civil rights protests and determined to be independent, takes a summer job on Martha's Vineyard. Only son Tiger is an infantry soldier recently deployed to Vietnam. 13-year-old Jessie suddenly feels like an only child marooned in the house with her out-of-touch grandmother and her worried mother, each of them hiding a troubling secret. As the summer heats up, Ted Kennedy sinks a car in Chappaquiddick, man flies to the moon, and Jessie and her family experience their own dramatic upheavals along with the rest of the country. In her first historical novel, rich with the details of an era that shaped both a nation and an island 30 miles out to sea, Ellen Hildebrand once again earns her title as queen of the summer novel. It's a really good book because it has the different perspectives from the mom and all of the children. So you're really getting the perspective of this time period and what it was like to be, you know, a preteen and teenager and then like an older teenager and then young and married in your 20s and then also a mom and dealing with deployment. And you're getting so many different perspectives from one very crazy time period. And I loved that all of the characters, they had so much personality. I felt like I could really just see them and feel them and connect with them. And I just felt like their personalities were established very well. And I loved seeing the character development for all of the different characters. I thought that the character development was really great. And I really liked this book because it reminded me a lot of Malibu Rising because it has the same sort of Um, family perspective shifting from family member to family member type of thing and it really was just so good and I love that it was also just based in like a different time period so it's a good book because you kind of have like the historical fiction aspect you have the romance and I just think that the way it was told with all the different perspectives is what made this book really special like if it was the same exact story and everything but it was only told from one perspective I don't think it would be half as good as it was because I do think a lot of the things that happened in the book almost happened and then were over kind of quickly but it felt like things dragged out at the same time but having the different POVs from the different characters and the perspectives and just you know really hearing what each character went through and how different it was all during the same time depending on you know like what age you were but it was all very relatable stuff that you know you go through so there's you know heartbreak and there's first loves and there's you know just finding yourself and you know giving up yourself for love and like just a lot of stuff like that and you know just dealing with family drama and everything there's a lot of different little aspects that each character experiences differently so you're kind of getting it from different people um but I think that that's what made the book so so enjoyable is that you got so many different perspectives um and I did really like this book and it's a really great summer read um I think I read it I actually read it in April but I did really like it and it did take a little bit for me to get through it just because while it was really good and I did enjoy it, it just was slower moving at times. So it wasn't something that I necessarily couldn't put down. I just thought it was a very leisurely read because I could just sort of relax and read it. But it wasn't something that I was, you know, on the edge of my seat turning the pages for like I was for like heart bones and like book lovers and every summer after. But it was just a very 
a much more leisurely read, like I said. That's the best way I can describe it is that it was very laid back and just that kind of book that you read, not something that's going to put you on the edge of your chair, like wondering what's going to happen next, just because that's not the type of book it is. And then now we're finally at A Court of Thorn and Roses, which is the first book in the series. Um, so the first book, the one that came before A Court of Mist and Fury, which was the first book I talked about in this episode. So I actually started this book in 2021 in the fall, and I did not finish it until six-ish months ago, I think. And just absolutely crazy because... It doesn't feel like it's been six months since I finished it. I didn't realize how long it took for me to pick up A Court of Mist and Fury since finishing A Court of Thorn and Roses, but it took me a really long time to finish it because one, I started reading it like last late fall and I couldn't get into it. Like I got into it and I was enjoying it, but I just didn't want to necessarily pick it up. And I was, I think I started reading it around the time I was like finishing up my last CPA exam or like right after I finished it or something, something like that. So I just had other priorities and then I started work, work was crazy, went through busy season, had like no time to read. And then, um, in the summer I picked it back up and I read a little bit more. I think I got to like halfway done. Um, and then I, I had in my head, I was like, I have all of these summer reads. I really want to read. I really wanted to read, um, just every summer after and like everything like that so I finally ended up finishing it like six months ago but I ended up putting it on hold I read like half of it and then I didn't read the second half until I had read a lot of the summer books that I really had on my mind because fantasy to me just has a fall and winter vibe to it no matter what the setting is and I just really wanted to read it during the fall and winter and finish it during the fall and winter but because of that, I was like, oh, there's all these summer reads and I'm not going to want to read the summer reads during like Christmas time and holidays and everything. So I got the summer reads out of the way and then I finally finished A Court of Thorn and Roses by Sarah J. Mass. And it took me forever to get through it just because of work and everything. So I definitely took a hiatus from it. But then when I read the last half of it, I think I read the last half of it within like a week. So the last half I really sped through. It was just that first half where a lot of the background is getting established and a lot of just like the, you're getting to know the main character basically for the first half and just sort of why she is the way she is and who she is. But the book description from Goodreads, um, I gave this one four stars and it has 4.2 stars on Goodreads, it says, when 19-year-old Huntress Farah kills a wolf in the woods, a terrifying creature arrives to demand retribution. Dragged to a treacherous magical land she knows about only from legends, Farah discovers that her captor is not truly a beast, but one of the lethal immortal fairies who once ruled her world. At least he's not a beast all the time. As she adapts to her new home, her feelings for the fairy, Tamlin, transform from icy hostility into a fiery passion that burns through every lie she's been told about the beautiful, dangerous world of the Fae. But something is not right in the fairylands. An ancient, wicked shadow is growing, and Feyre must find a way to stop it or doom Tamlin and his world forever. From bestselling author Sarah J. Mass comes a seductive, breathtaking book that blends romance, adventure, and fairy lore into an unforgettable read. So this book was definitely harder to get through, like I mentioned, um, just because it is you're laying a lot of the foundational things that the rest of the series is going to build off of and really just the whole character background of Feyre, the main character. And getting through that part was definitely difficult. I didn't think it was not interesting by any means. It just felt slow. I thought it was very interesting and just very different from anything I typically read because I'm not typically a fantasy reader. Um, but I do... Like, looking back, I 
do not reread books. I said this on my Instagram story today. I do not reread books and I'm probably going to end up rereading the series because I want nothing more than to go back and reread the first and second book now that I've read the second book because I think like just knowing more about certain characters is going to make the first book so much more of an interesting read for me if that makes sense like to go back and read it and reread it but um I did really love this and I thought that there once again there's you know action there's romance um there isn't much like humor in this one is at least as much as there is in the second book I would say that this first book overall just has a very mysterious vibe to it just because you're kind of just getting to know the setting and getting familiarized with the setting and it's just Feyre being you know ripped from what everything she knows and calls home and being placed into another world that she learns to call home and that she actually ends up making a home out of which is incredible but I just think that the characters in this first book because you haven't really dove into them all the way yet they just have this aspect and this nature of being mysterious to them and I really like it because it kind of just makes you want to keep reading the series to find out what more there is behind a lot of these characters because you know that there's something else going on behind you know each of the characters and I thought that the fantasy aspect of this um it definitely has like a level of complexity to it where you can't like necessarily be speed reading through the end of the book like you need to be paying attention because it's when like a lot of like the um political aspects of the fantasy world in this book are revealed and described and um I tend to want to go through books really quickly sometimes I'm a very fast reader naturally and that's why I'm a fast talker too and it can hurt me sometimes because sometimes when I'm reading fantasy I just read really fast and then I will be three pages away and I'm like wait a minute what did I just read because I'm just reading to read really quickly but anyways I do think that if you're reading this book or if you're wanting to read this book go into it knowing like it's going to be slower but that the back half of it is really good. The action really picks up and a lot more happens. And um, I thought that a lot of the beginning was strung out. Like the whole part of Farah being at home just felt kind of strung out. But at the same time, it didn't last that long. It just felt like I was kind of reading the same situation over and over again. But I think it was to just really establish how much of a struggle Farah was in and what she was living through. And I remember feeling like the transition from her being in the real world to her new world and new home. Um, I say real world and new world. That's not really what I'm saying. I'm meaning like old home and new home without trying to like spoil anything. The transition almost seemed too simple for her in a way, but I will say that I feel like the bulk of that transition more so happens in the end of the book when she goes through other trials. And I just really... I really, the whole ending part of the book was like dark, but I really loved the introduction to other characters we got, um, characters that are like, play a bigger role in like book two and everything, like when I think back on it. But in the moment, I remember thinking like, why is this person becoming such a big deal? And like wondering what was going to come of it and everything. And um, I just really liked it. I did find it to be confusing in the beginning, just trying to figure out the whole just structure of the what these fantasy creatures were like what made them like unique and special and like just figuring out why things were the way they were but I think that a lot of what I found when in reading the first and second book of this series is that you tend to find out 
why things are the way they are after they're introduced, which can be a little confusing because you may hear someone being described, like someone's magical power being described. And this is just an example. I don't really know if this is actually an instance in the book, but you may hear someone's power being described and you're just like, wait, why, what does that mean? Or maybe this event that happens and you're like, what is this event? I haven't heard of this before in the book, I don't think, but then it ends up getting explained later on. So I think like hanging on to that, you kind of have to like really be paying attention so that you can like notice oh that's what they mentioned back in this chapter when it was mentioned and now we're getting the explanation for that character or the explanation for that event so that was like definitely something that made it more four stars for me because it made it a little bit hard to follow at times but I will say now that I've read the second book looking back it's really just the style of writing so it's something that just get acclimated to but overall I did enjoy the book I thought it was slow at points and it was strung out at points but I think it was totally worth it especially in terms of now that I've finished the second book. So definitely get through it if you haven't already. And last but not least, The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. I cannot believe I read this in 2022 because I would have put money that I read it in 2021. And the reason why I say that, or the reason why I feel that way is because I read it on, or finished it on January 6th, 2022. Um, I read like the first 20% of this over a few days and then the rest of it I read in like one sitting. Um, and this book, five stars. This is one of my favorite books as well. Taylor Jenkins Reid is amazing. I've only read Malibu Rising and The Seven Husbands by her. I'm really scared to read her other books because some people have told me they're really good, but some of them don't really have the best reviews. And I have this toxic trait where if something doesn't have like over four stars on Goodreads, I'm probably not going to read it because I just feel like it's going to be a waste of my time. But I just need to be able to read something for myself and develop my own opinion instead of relying on what others are rating it. But I absolutely love this book. Head over heels for it. Um, this is a summary. It says, I'm sure most of y'all have read it, but it says from the New York times bestselling author of Daisy Jones and the six an entrancing and wildly addictive journey of a reclusive Hollywood starlet. As she reflects on her relentless rise to the top and the risk she took, the love she lost and the long held secrets, the public could never imagine aging and reclusive Hollywood movie icon. Evelyn Hugo is finally ready to tell the truth about her glamorous and scandalous life. But when she chooses unknown magazine reporter Monique Grant for the job, no one is more astounded than Monique herself. Why her? Why now? Monique is not exactly on top of the world. Her husband has left her, and her professional life is going nowhere. Regardless of why Evelyn has selected her to write her biography, Monique is determined to use this opportunity to jumpstart her career. Summoned to Evelyn's luxurious apartment, Monique li listens in fascination as the actress tells her story. From making her way to Los Angeles in the 1950s to her decision to leave show business in the 80s, and, of course, the seven husbands along the way, Evelyn unspools a tale of ruthless ambition, unexpected friendship, and a great forbidden love. Monique begins to feel a very real connection to the legendary star, but as Evelyn's story nears its conclusion, it becomes clear that her life intersects with Monique's own in tragic and irreversible ways. The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo is Tinseltown drama at its finest, a mesmerizing journey through the splendor of old Hollywood into the harsh realities of the present day as two women struggle with what it means and what it costs to face the truth. Yeah, this book was just so good. And once again, I was a little nervous about reading this one because I it was very hyped up around the time I was reading it. So I was like, okay, I'm a little worried, but absolute emotional roller coaster. I laughed, I cried. It was so good. And I just found this book to feel very real, like almost like the characters just were very real life. And I really thought the story was very intriguing. I loved getting the story like with each of the different husbands. Um, and like I said, I finished it all of it almost in one sitting, but I really thought that 
I knew where it was going at times and then I was just like oh my gosh that's not what I was expecting at all and I loved that for the way this book was because you know you're getting so much like because you're hearing Evelyn's story but then you're hearing Monique's story. The forbidden love in the book was so touching and just really like grafts your heart and rips it out. And I had a horrible book hangover when I finished this book. I thought Evelyn's story, um, this is could be a little bit of a spoiler, so maybe just skip this part if you're really wanting to read it. I don't think it is, though. I don't know. Maybe it is. But I think that she, just seeing her self-acceptance throughout the book with her being bisexual was truly just incredible because it was there were just so many times where it you could tell it was something that was such a struggle for her to deal with but you know she just embraced and embraced it and accepted herself as she should and it was just such a beautiful story to read like so many different love stories in one book but then have one that like just so strongly blew the others out of the water and I just really enjoyed reading this book and it just really ripped my heart out but really was extremely touching at the same time and I just really admired Evelyn's like whole character and her development in general and the strong relationship in this book the main relationship that you end up reading about is one of my favorite relationships that I've read in a fiction novel ever it's just truly Oh, I don't know. Evelyn was such a good character and I just loved hearing her story and I loved hearing it like from her like in the retelling sense and I just thought that it was really beautiful and she went through so much and she was so ambitious and like she got what she worked for and I loved that in the end like her authentic authenticity and self-acceptance just like really gave her the greatest love of her life and it was such a good read so I highly recommend reading it. And that is all of the books I read. I will say I did just go back and look on my Instagram story highlights on my personal Instagram. I have a books highlight, which I need to update it. But I went back to see what I said about every summer after and I did rate it five stars. I don't know why it like showed as four for a second. That was really weird. But um, yeah, I did have it as five stars. So thank you so much for listening. I know this episode was really long, but it was kind of necessary because I wanted to like tell you all how I felt about books and I'm sorry if it felt kind of redundant because honestly I read all really good books this year. There wasn't really a single one that I would put under four stars um, on any type of like scale like from out of five stars like I wouldn't give it like a 3.8 that rounds up the four like nothing was genuinely under four stars and I thought that was really good for this year so that's why I had a lot to say and why I rambled on about some of them and why a lot of what I said probably sounded similar across the books because I felt like I read very books with similar themes and just all really good books so I hope y'all enjoyed and let me know if you liked this episode and I'll do one more often maybe I could do one quarterly so that I'm not having to well if I even get to read a book in a quarter because I know during busy season I read like maybe one book if that but let me know if you like this kind of year in review style or if you'd like to have it more frequently so it's not all in one episode but thank you all so much for listening and I hope you all have a very wonderful happy holidays and that you stay safe and I hope that all of you get to take some time to rest and I hope that it's a really just great relaxing time for everyone and safe time and if this is a more difficult time for you my heart goes out to you and you are in my heart and I'm sending you all of the love I possibly could give and I love you all so much and I'm so thankful for all of your support this year and I'm really looking forward to 2023 and I hope I have 
some big things coming. For, I'm saying I hope I have some big things coming for the podcast. There's literally nothing planned that's big, but I'm just like, I, I've spoken it into, the, into existence in the form of putting pen on paper. So I am hoping for some big things this year. I'm really wanting to like get more guests on the podcast, but at the same time, like no one really hounds me about having guests on. So I'm like, do you even like guests? But it's really hard for me to get guests because of my life. Like it'd be really hard to ever record anything with anyone. So anyways, I love y'all and have a very happy holidays and I will see y'all and talk to y'all in 2023.